evening everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Pitch from Africa with me, your host, Sidi Saka. Today we're going to have a very interesting conversation with an amazing individual who have decided to join us today on the podcast. As always, if you're listening to us, welcome to The Pitch from Africa. No matter where you're listening from, maybe you're driving home, maybe you're just catching up on the podcast, maybe you're listening from Spotify or Apple Podcasts, welcome to another episode. If you're joining us live and this is your first time of being here, remember, every Friday we meet here with some of African leading um, entrepreneurs, investors, policymakers, and we talk about entrepreneurship, innovation, and technology in the continent. Today, super excited for another episode. So, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Beach Room Africa. Who's joining me all the way from Nigeria? Good evening, Esther. Welcome. How are you doing tonight? Good evening, Sidi. I am great and I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are you, Sidi? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Um, the, the Honorable Minister is here. Um, I've just sent you, um, Doctor, I've just sent you. I've just tried to pull you up on stage. You should see a notification, a request button. If you can accept that, you'll be able to join us on stage. As we wait for her to join us, let us go through some of the remarkable things that she's accomplished. Um, so, yeah, so for a lot of you joining us or for people who are um, in Uganda, you're not a stranger to who Dr. Monica Mozinero is. So, Currently, as I already said, um, she's the Minister for Science and Technology and Innovation under the Office of the President and the Senior Advisor on um, Epidemics to the President in Uganda. She's a skilled consultant and scientist with extensive national and international experience. As a matter of fact, she previously worked at Makerere University. Just for, to give you context, that is one of Uganda's top university and one of its oldest um, edu- um, higher edu- learning educational institute, right? Um, so she was a lecturer there and also worked with the Ugandan Minister of Health and also was the Assistant Commissioner of Epidemiology and Surveillance and was a Principal Program pro- um, program Officer with the Africa Field Epidemiology Network. She spent more than three years as um, field coordinator for the World Health Organization in Australia, my home country, by the way. So super excited about that. And she was actually one of the African that actually helped battle the West African Ebola outbreak. Again, resounding um, um, achievement done there because I know what happened when Ebola struck across um, West Africa super excited so let's talk about her academic background a little bit she studied at cornell in the usa she obtained an ms in science majoring in microbiology with immunology and molecular biology and research on vaccine development and then she of course had a master's again at McGill university specialized making one health movement a reality in uganda and the african region today we're going to explore the work that she's been doing and ensuring Uganda become a master in science, technology, and innovation. Good evening, um, Honorable Minister. Welcome to the Beach Room Africa. 
Thank you very much. I hope uh, you can hear me well. Yes, Honorable, we can. We can hear you very, very well. How are you doing today? And thank you so much for joining us. It's a great honor. It's a great honor. And uh, good evening, all our listeners and those participating um, in this space today. It's going to be a great honor to discuss with all of you. I'm doing fine. Great. So, Honorable, one of the things that the Beach Room Africa is known for, especially for uh, numerous guests that listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and even Google Podcasts, is that we tend to just jump right into the conversation. Um, we understand and our, and our listeners understand that we bring only the best people on the podcast. So we don't really um, try to go back into the into the journey of them because they've been remarkable people and they've been people that a lot of other people know across the continent. So having said that, I would like to keep the get the conversation on the road with something you said in a speech you deliver in June. You said uh, that speech is, is titled Redesigning Science. Um, you, that, so, you, okay, so I'm just going to pick something out. So you said, what should science consist of? Thinking. Number one, you said thinking. Number two, you said purpose. Number three, you said goals. Number four, you talked about process. Number five, you talked about systems. But let's look about the thinking. I will quote. Africa must stop delegating thinking. We must know that not all knowledge is written in books and publications. The biggest deposit of knowledge is still in our heads. And given that most of what is written and taught has either not worked or minimally worked for us, we must be ready and willing to think ourselves out of what does not work and into what works. This means having the audacity and will to think deep enough to identify false modes and trojans we may have adopted. And always remember, it is the responsibility of the citizens to take on the complex task of thinking for their nation. Such a powerful speech. What were you feeling? Um, what was the emotion like when you were thinking about that? And just take us through why you thought at that moment it was crucial for you to communicate that. Uh, Sidney, thank you so much. Um, I have been taking a lot of time to think uh, why we are not developed, or why we are not developing faster uh, than we are developing. I've been around uh, the development space for a while and uh, i have studied a lot of reviews of why africa was not developing and uh, many times it is all oh, there's corruption or oh, people are lazy or oh, there is this and that uh, but uh, over the past decade i involved myself and just wanted there must be something more than that and uh, when I became the Minister uh, of Science, Technology and Innovation, it was a very, very sobering moment. Uh, taking a job has always been a very big experience for me because I want it to work. However, when I became the Minister of Science, Technology and Innovation in Uganda, I kept trying to find where to start because um, in many of African countries, we talk about science, but really it doesn't work for us. It just doesn't work because you, you have scientists, you have universities, you have PhD students, but when you go to the supermarket, all the stuff is imported. The only stuff which is sold is the one in the markets, the crude markets, which is just gotten from the garden or uh, that we export raw materials, uh, the finished goods are all imported. And this, this really, for me, uh, started me thinking. I had thought that uh, many of these things were understood, but I realized that it was not. 
And in that research, uh, sometime actually uh, last year, I started that research to think, where is the problem? I, I, you can't believe, but I studied curricula of universities across Africa. I studied, um, especially those in English, because the language I could study, look at the curriculum of the science programs. I looked through writings uh, that we have written. I looked through reviews of science in my country, and I realized there was a big disconnect totally big disconnect of what was happening in our education system and hence what was known by our scientists but also known by our policymakers, our politicians and uh, what was really required to make science work because for science to work it must transform into commodities and services which are sold and so uh, that statement was a result of a lot of meditation and a lot of insight and a lot of analysis. And I discovered that all this all along, we build a science which is just um, a copy. Uh, we've copied science systems from uh, outside Africa, but they don't connect to our ecosystem. They don't connect to the realities of what we have. And uh, because we can copy what is in the West, for example, you will find because there is molecular biology out in the West and uh, somebody goes there and studies and eventually uh, writes a grant with others and then they buy some machines and they start doing molecular biology in Uganda. However, that is just a simple piece. They are doing it as if they are in the other country, as if they are still in either UK or US university where they studied. And in the end, when you step out of that lab, that molecular biology is not solving any problem of our community. And so then you find our products, which you like the crops we grow, they are not value added they don't have value they are, they are sold as raw materials and so i realized that the education system that we have is just not is not does not include essential things for us to harness science so the entire product line of people who have come through this education system just don't have what it takes and so having realized that, so what do you do? What did the other nations do? They sat down and thought. And all along, we, you know, when you want to do a review of your science policy, you get a consultant. And then the consultant comes and throws around things. But when you try to implement, they don't work. But I realized now we needed to start thinking. We needed to start thinking. And um, the more I started picking small things and thinking through, and uh, I looked back at some of the small things which were beginning to work then for Uganda, like uh, the automotive industry, us coming up with our own vehicles, working on them and trying to industrialize them. And uh, there is this wonderful professor, um, Professor Tikodri, who's really the father of uh, Chira Motors, I, I sat with him and asked him, what is the, how, how did you come up with this? And he took almost two hours telling me his story. And I realized that we must do the thinking, but we are into the science of copy and paste. If we want science to work for us, we must think. And thinking, we are not taught to think. Africans, we can worry. But we don't think, we don't want to think creatively from a start to challenge some of, actually most of the notions around us. And when we do that, we will begin to create uh, tools, we create new knowledge which fills the gaps of what we are feeling. So uh, again, for me, that was a breakthrough thought for me that if we continue delegating thinking, if we continue telling other people to do the thinking for us, if we continue lacking the confidence 
lacking the audacity to question things, we were not going to break through. And that has characterized uh, my uh, ministerial <laughs> approach up to now. Uh, we have had a lot of break, groundbreaking thoughts and um, I begin to see the, the, the speeding up the acceleration of the application of science because of the thinking that is going on. My team at Science, the first thing I tell them, 50% of their work is to think. Not just you learn, but the learning is to get connections, but it is your thinking process which is going to guide the science. And we have begun to see results. I mean, it's quite, it's quite, um, you know, it's, it's quite important to think, but it's also equally important to do. Um, so many people that have actually come to the podcast, we've had a conversation that Africa is not without, it's, it's not lacking intelligence. It's not lacking well-educated people. It's not lacking uh, thoughts leaders. What most people have said for, for you know, a lot for the broader spectrum of the continent is that we lack the system and the, 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 the willingness to do. And you came in, in fact, I'm going to quote something that you actually said when you, when you, when you are appointed. You came in to disrupt what you term the slave model. Tell us a little bit about what the slave model is and uh, how doing have changed the direction or disrupting this re or allow you to restructure the way science and technology and innovation is playing a role today in the governance of Uganda. Uh, thank you so much. Again, um, it is about confidence. First, to be confident that uh, me as a human being, I have the right to question things around me. I have the right to explore. And um, before I became minister, I was working as a presidential advisor on epidemics. And uh, part of my responsibility uh, was to devise new ways on how we can minimize the impact of COVID in a, a situation where we are very resource restricted. And that always called me to come up with the cheapest, the simplest uh, ways, and which were often defiant of what has been put in the books. And um, my experience working especially with epidemics and enabling Africa to control epidemics amidst low resources called that you always had to innovate and act. So when I became minister, I discovered that we were too dependent on um, standard systems. And the sad thing is that many times those things were either too expensive or they didn't work or they depended on a lot of um, tools coming from outside. So sometimes you sit there waiting, this won't come, this won't come. Well. Try and connect something, including a system. So the slave model, what is a slave? A slave is a person who is so dependent on decisions made elsewhere, and they are not confident enough to take action uh, where you work, but really um, what you do, how you do it, the resources that do it come from somewhere else. And there is no way we are going to develop uh, that way. Now, coming to your comment on um, the lack of systems, why do we lack systems? Who builds, who puts up systems? How do people learn to put systems? Uh, the system, the lack of systems itself is a symptom. It's a symptom. So when Africans begin to think and get the confidence, they actually begin to put down independent systems which solve problems. Um, I don't have time on this um, discussion 
to share innovations that I made in West Africa that enabled me to bring down Ebola amidst a lot of resource scarcity. And, you know, so you have to put the system in place. The challenge comes when you are depending on a standardized system and you don't feel confident to disrupt it. You don't feel confident to redo it. So even the systems we must build, that many of the things that we are doing in Uganda in science, technology, innovation, we have been told we cannot do it. We cannot do it. So many of us, they don't do because one, they see the system, but there are pieces which are missing and they just don't know how to make it work. Two, the system is too expensive. And just when you think about doing research and laboratory, extremely expensive, and the, the planners and the resource people allocate resources, they just see it's too expensive. The third one is we have been convinced that we cannot do certain things. I want to give you an example of vaccine research. Um, most Africans are convinced that they cannot do research end to end. They cannot sit down, design a vaccine from scratch, and um, actually take that vaccine to the market. They don't think. They only think there has to be a company that comes from out, and there must be people who developed that technology, and then when that person comes, and then they can start. They don't think, okay, we will develop this vaccine, we'll have a technology, then we will attract an investor who will come along with us because we don't believe that we can come up with intellectual property. It's a myth. It's a myth. In Uganda, we've done it. We have worked on vaccines from scratch. They have come up and we are taking them into clinical trials, something we had been told that we cannot do. So that play in the mind that everything is expensive, it is impossible, it cannot be done. Uh, we need to overcome that so that we can fit into the rest of the world, so that we can begin to contribute uh, to the rest of the world. So we, we need to learn and have the confidence to put up the systems. We need to learn, to have the confidence to do things. Over to you. Okay. No. No. I mean, I love. I love the 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 the, the idea of the system and the basis. The basis for um, system. One of the things. One of the things. Let's let's face some reality. Um, one of the, the the reason why it seems like today Africa, um, well, for most part of the continent, uh, for most country in the continent. They are dependent on the. Uh, Sid, did you still hear this. me? Yes, um, yes, Madam Minister, I can hear you just fine. Can you? Oh, can okay. you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, Madam yes, Minister? I hear you, although very faintly. I don't know what has happened to, to the sound. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. All right. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So I was saying. I was saying that. We talked about systems, and when you look at some of the hard truth, when you look at in comparison from where the continent is at the moment, irrespective of the conversation that we keep having, the importance of building um, our own intellectual property, the importance of actually um, empowering our youth, all of these things are very, very important. But one of the reasons why we're still dependent on um, systems, foreign systems, more or less, that haven't worked for us, as you rightly stated in your in your in your um, speech, is because for a large part, for many of the 54 countries in the continent, they are highly dependent on foreign direct um, investment. They are largely dependent on donor funding. Let's use that language. Let's forget foreign direct investment on donor funding, and these funding comes with a high task that allows for these African countries to be only to only be able to operate from a um, from a from a position of dependency how is Uganda 
re, um, removing that hole and how are you funding some of this work that you're doing uh, it's true uh, that a lot of our budget a lot of our work is uh, dependent on money from out um, Uganda is using um, a mix of approaches uh, one uh, the initial funding comes from government uh, the government is not able to give as much money as that which would come out of the donor funding however we are able to do a lot with less through uh, a lot of innovating with much as we're using the scientific principles the systems can be innovated uh, for example uh, we had a lot of um, uh, laboratory equipment in institutions of learning. They were not working on vaccines. And then we also had some equipment in other institutions, other research institutions. Uh, so instead of starting to build from scratch the work on vaccines, uh, we first, I first connected all this machinery into a system and then identify what is missing. And so we only plug in those parts which are missing and that cuts down the cost. And so we are able to extend the little money that we have. So uh, at first, for example, my scientist, one scientist will be working in this lab and they they are just doing a small piece of research for example uh, you are in a consortium of scientists are from america from europe and then you are in africa so you really like you have one finger out of five and so you can't really make a fist to complete that science so i went around and connected all those labs connected uh, actually i literally walked from lab to lab uh, took a list of all the equipment they have and organized those equipment into a system, identified those which are missing. So you see, I can set up a whole vaccine research system in the country from 10% of the budget, which would be required. Similarly, um, instead of hiring full-time scientists just to do this, I go to the institutions and look for the skills and connect them into research teams such that the, the, the existing capacities begin. So the two approaches so far there is um, government are committed to do the funding for the, city, uh, for the start, but we need to get as much as possible out of that. Um, the other thing uh, that we have, um, the approach we have, we are not actually against working with our friends from the west we just want to work from the same template so we build collaborations we build collaborations but now we understand that these collaborations must be mutually beneficial so we build collaborations and um, as we move into the downstream steps in because we have divided our process into four phases as we move downstream the funds now you have products you have prototypes but you also have really very promising pro uh, products that need to come now we are moving to look for investors uh, who have understood uh, that Africa needs to do this and we find uh, these investors across so yes, the funding is still a challenge, but we I realize that we also sometimes blame uh, the donors for dictating, the donors for this, but we ourselves sometimes don't know what to tell them. Uh, before you're told what to do, do you really know what you want? So that has been one of the things. We have clearly defined what we want. So when we go to discuss, we are presenting what we want to do on the table. And then, and that's what we want you to fund us, not to tell us what should be funded, because this is what we need. And we tell a compelling story. We tell a very credible story with the evidence. And um, uh, we have gone even to uh, 
investors, I mean, in the country, we have uh, some finance institutions. Uh, we haven't yet made a big breakthrough with that, but we have begun to see that there is an opening, there is understanding, there is a lot of advocacy. We are also uh, getting into development institutions, but we go with, hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we have done about it. And this is the gap that we have. And this is where we need funding. Instead of they waiting for people to come and tell you, we have funding for such and such a thing. And I have found that many development uh, partners actually appreciate when you go to them, when you know what you want. Thank you very much, Madam Minister. And welcome to Pitch from Africa. Can you hear me, Madam Minister? You're welcome, ma. Yes, I can hear you very well. I I, I was listening keenly at some of the things she said, and I think it's something that if startups in Africa were bold enough to do or are bold enough to do, they may just make more than a milestone in they may hit more than a milestone in their startup. Going going to your investors, I mean going with what you want. First, she started with knowing what you want. And then she said, going with what she wants, putting that on the table. She knows the gap. There's so much knowledge about, you know, about um, exactly what is desired. You know, I mean, I picked that so keenly. I must say it's very highly commendable. But I want to ask, Madam Minister, is it, have you had all successful, um, funding every time you use this method of going straight to ask you know for what you want have you had like a hundred percent success rate or have there been times that people turned um down or weren't able to fund because um it probably was in alignment with what they also wanted have you always had um, favorable responses Oh, I, I wish i could say that i've had much success <laughs> not really um you see, uh, this whole issue of we know, you don't know, because we ourselves showed that we don't know. Um, many people uh, are get, just getting used to that. They are getting used to uh, people who are bold, who know what they want, and that's really what they want to negotiate. We don't yet, I can't say uh, we yet have a lot of success, but yes, I have seen some success uh, that I, I actually, by principle, I don't go to a discussion with an empty hand. I must negotiate with what I know. And um, many of the funding agencies, the development partners are really not used to that. But this is what we should adopt because the approach that we used does not help us it does you know there is a lot of research on the african continent but that research is like creating fragments fragments of technology you cannot create a complete technology when the thinking process and the planning process is based elsewhere so our approach is i create the entire technology what i want the the entire thing identify what i have and then go and begin to discuss. Many times um, we have had discussions and um, once people see that you know what you want, they are no longer interested. But I've also found very good people who are intrigued that you know what you want. And uh, uh, my advocacy is that that's the approach that Africa must adopt. Then you can have some complete technologies you can have some complete technology. And we have had some amazing support. Uh, like for our automotive industry, we have had, uh, sometimes it's not money, but somebody comes in with a technical support and it's pushed us because you'd otherwise have to pay a lot of money for that. So this you find, and because I am filling in gaps, I already know what I want. It takes me to the end much faster than when somebody comes and tells you to start something because there is money and then you finish it. But then it's just a piece there in the middle. You've created a heart, but we had the blood vessels. 
so it is an approach that we can't say we, from the beginning it will be successful but it is the approach that africa must adopt take the responsibility whoa whoa Steve, did you hear that <laughs> you created yeah. a part <laughs> not personal yeah. man this conversation is really interesting yeah no i i absolutely agree um Madam Minister, so there is something that you, you mentioned that I would just want um, just to, to 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 bring to bring forward. You talked um, about the um, automotive industry in in Uganda, right? So there is a research that I read um, in preparation of of, of this conversation. Um, so today, about um, it's, it is estimated that the the population of Uganda may reach 100 million by 2050. Um, it's growing at 3% per annum. Today, 24% of Ugandans live in cities. But of course, it's um, there's 5.2% annual urban growth rate. What that means is um, between 2018 and 2019, about 96% of red cargo and passenger traffic was distributed by roads. And today we've seen a considerable amount of growth happening in the automotive industry in Uganda from e-mobility to um, guys like um, Kira and a whole lot of other startups. But then the Ugandan government is running a program that is so unique that it actually allows for the celebration of some of these disruptors, especially within the automotive industry, science and technology in general. Uh, during the National Science Week. Tell us a little bit about that and what is the aim of the Science Week and how how does it look like in general? Um, The Science Week is an innovation that we came up with um, three years ago. Uh, It's uh, a place where we bring together the innovations across the country and the innovators and the public and really bring together everybody and um, showcase how far we have gone. It's a deal place. It is a a place of interaction. And the one we had last year, this the Science Week takes place every year between the 6th and 11th of November. So it's annual. You can start planning for it. Each year we have a theme. It's, it's, it's a huge event. It's really a huge event. And one of the things we would like to do is, um, or what we have been doing, is to bring innovators together with uh, potential investors so that they can see, because uh, most of our innovations are scattered across the country. But this is the event it's the event that brings together society, the innovations of at different levels of development, the academia. But one of the major things is it's a showcase where we exhibit to those who would like to come alongside us and um, invest. And that is increasingly growing, that there is a lot of discussion. So it's a science week, it has a lot of activities apart from the exhibition, we have academia, engaging the academia, how do we craft an education system? How do we change what we are teaching to help this which you're seeing? And then um, investors, how do we create investors uh, and the investment ecosystem on the African continent is a little different from what you find in Silicon Valley. As I've found in many uh, countries, we are trying to imitate Silicon Valley. Again, we must innovate. And so we engage with um, investors and uh, bring together the the support system, institutions that provide support, the regulators, to engage with the scientists those uh, uh, engaged with intellectual property to help the scientists to identify which intellectual property they have generated. So there is a lot of activity. There is a lot, it's a huge event. We, We 
celebrated at our national celebration grounds at Kololo. And each year we organize it on a different theme. Uh, the event itself is an innovation because it is put together by innovators uh, in the different ways. And the issue is to make it come out and the way Africa is thinking differently. We showcase um, uh, the products that we have made in the various stages. We have a lot of those which are reaching the market. So this year we will have what we call the Made in Uganda supermarket. And this is really, we'll be inviting even um, businessmen, those who would like to be dealers in these products, those who would like to invest, uh, the early investors, and many of these are really promising. So, and this year we are making it an international event. Uh, uh, so we are expecting a lot of people to actually be at this. We have an investment summit alongside it uh, to engage uh, partly to build the capacity of our innovators in uh, how to be market ready, how to be investor ready, and then also to really discuss with, uh, you know, with the investors, how do you customize funding? that is suitable for Africa. It's also an exhibition of the scientific, uh, the scientific uh, progress in our country. Because many times when you move in Kampala, all you see is jam, you don't know the immense innovations that are going on behind that. And so that is the place where one-stop center, you come for uh, seven days and uh, we showcase that, we have dialogue. I usually have my an office, my office there, so for that time I operate there. I'm able to engage with people who are interested and discuss and make deals, sign memorandum of understanding. So it's a huge, huge event. Uh, this year our theme um, is um, Tusimbude. Tusimbude is a Luganda word which means we have taken off and so we are saying we have taken off and we are showcasing our journey of uh, transforming uh, the economy through science, technology and innovation. So it's going to be an extremely interesting event. Yeah, so um, let, let's, let's, so part of the conversation today, we've talked a, a lot about and laid uh, a lot of emphasis on investment. And um, with the National Science Week coming up, um, the government of Uganda is looking to connect the wider Ugandan ecosystem to um, the African ecosystem. And by so doing, looking at the investment summit and getting investors um, in Uganda. But I would like one of, one of the things that I would like to find out is what are some of the, the, the investment the Ugandan government itself is making on startup and innovators within the country because my understanding and the work that i've done with investors is apart from just the policy side when they go into an ecosystem or into a new market to invest they also like to see the commitment on the of the government itself in in those investments because it, it creates some form of like a dv skin situation for them so it's not only policies it's about also what the government is doing um, from the investment perspective in some of those um, on some of the sciences innovators or even startups operating in these in these fields so what are some of the investment that the government is doing and how are you expecting the the investors that are coming into the into the, the, the country um, to be able to work together with the government of Uganda to make even more opportunity, capital of finance um, opportunities are available for startups and innovators within the country. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, the, apart, of course, from the policy, uh, the policy environment, which we are actively working on to be conducive, we call it the ecosystem. The government of Uganda has been increasing investment in science, technology and innovation. So at the moment, the government funds most of the early, the R&D, most of the early research and development, the government actually 
funds. There is a grant funding. We have an innovation fund which enables scientists and innovators to do the early work of um, ideation, the initial the experiments, the, test, the early testings until we get to a prototype. So it's the, from the prototyping, um, again, the government funds quite significantly the early um, development of those prototypes uh, to develop the products and is then as they are getting going to go to market depending on which product we begin to look for other investors when they can see what this uh, technology can do what this innovation can do and the government has been increasing its funding Apart from the funding, we also provide a lot of uh, technical support uh, to the innovators uh, to help them to grow, to mature, uh, to link them to services. As I told you, we try to make um, most of our research quite much cheaper than anywhere else by linking, uh, we call it the value chain approach. We link uh, the available infrastructure, the available services in the country, such that they are available for these young innovators, uh, the facilities that are in the country, uh, the, the technical support, the scientists in the universities who have specific knowledge, we link them to those who may be innovating, but they don't have the scientific knowledge. So that crisscrossing, the government does it. And uh, my ministry is primarily responsible for that, to make sure that um, we are supporting these people. And our work is to prepare them to reach a place where investors can recognize what they have, where they have also can present the value they have so that they invest there. And then we are willing to co-invest. Even when investors come, the government co-invests with them such that uh, we are sharing the risk of uh, the investments. And of course, we have uh, a lot of investor incentives in the country. Um, when, they, when they bring money in the country, we have tax incentives. Um, we have quite very, very good incentives and the government shields uh, takes on quite the risk such that uh, people uh, the, who want to invest with us uh, in this still relatively risk on uh, Africa investing in innovation is still relatively high risk so the government uh, comes in to de risk some of the to reduce some of that risk actually the support is quite good quite good Yes. Yeah. Um, um, can I? Yeah, can so. I just ask a question? Um, and this is—I'm not sure you've asked the question before, Siri. This has to do with—you know—I just put out a tweet from what she said, Madam Minister. You mentioned about the thinking, um, the thinking gap that basically we need to think more than do the copy and paste approach. I just want to ask a very direct question: If in Uganda now. Entrepreneurs in that in Uganda have they been able to? Would you say that the thinking gap has closed? Would you say that now we have more thinkers, or would you? And then what is what exactly is the government doing to close that gap? Because um, uh, reducing copy and paste is not a day's job, right? For people to be innovative, they are thinking and find better ways to get things done than just doing the regular things or just copying what is in the mainstream. How would you say is the gap closed and then what is the Ugandan government doing about that? Um, I think the first thing was to appoint a technical minister. <laughs> I call myself a technical minister. Uh, I spend a lot. Of, <laughs> I spend a lot of time with my technical people thinking so that we can transfer uh, that. So that created the nucleus. Uh, the second and um, more, most um, a practical thing for other people has been the creation of science think tanks. 
for every priority area we have, we create a think tank. We create a think tank which brings together a multi cross-section of people. Uh, so we have like eight broad areas which we have prioritized now, but within them there are sub-areas and for everything we create think tanks. Now, think tanks have not been used very well on the continent. Uh, we sometimes think about think tanks as organizations which need NGOs and what. No, these are not NGOs. Uh, so for, for most areas like, okay, I have mobility. I bring together uh, a lot of uh, scientists, practitioners from across the world. And we meet and discuss issues. Sometimes I raise the issues, then they... They, they bring together experts and bring and we bring our thinking. We'll spend two hours um, every even in the evening on Zoom so we can have participants from, you know, the U.S., participants from U.K., from participants from across Africa. And we think through an area, a specific area, and begin to question and begin to raise issues. And this is also the same way my ministry is full of think tanks, <laughs> people gathering in um, small spaces to think through things. So we have encouraged the thinking. We have encouraged, um, uh, even when you go, I, I, I called together the other day, I had vice chancellors from all the universities to think through certain things. So we have uh, revolutionized the idea of think thinking practically by setting up think tanks, not in terms of NGOs, but in terms of functional spaces mm. where we think. No, Madam Minister, I'm just going to, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I'm really, really happy about is the fact that how um, with every conversation and every response you've been able to talk a little bit about the investment um, that the government is making but also the openness in um, investors from other part of the the, the, the continent or the world um, so I want to I want to just go back to an investment summit so for the for the first time during the National Science Week there's an investment summit happening and um, what specifically are you expecting the investors to gain by attending this summit and why should they um, come into Uganda? What are some of the things you're hoping to achieve as a government um, when these investors do come in? Because a lot of them are, um, you know, looking and listening and hoping to be convinced to come to, 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 to the National Science Week in Uganda. So what should they be expecting? Uh, first, if uh, you're not from Uganda, you should expect to see the most beautiful country in the world <laughs> but it's called the pearl of africa so but we are ex we my expectation is that um, the investors are going to discover nuggets of opportunity that they were not aware of really really good innovations that they have not seen before and they are going to identify a really great opportunity which will be able to make their investment worth to because what does an investor want an investor wants um, an opportunity to contribute to something great that will not only multiply their money but it will also have a, a legacy have an impact in the world and when why we have made the investment summit come in the science week because they will be able to see they'll be able to interact with these innovations and be able to make up to make their minds so most of them they have not heard about them they are very very unique things that they will be able to see such that you're not funding something which is everywhere but something really unique coming to the market. So, um, and these products range from um, the digital products, 
which many people may have seen, but these are very different versions. But they are also uh, very promising pharmaceutical products that are unique. You you be the one to put it, such a product to the market, and the opportunities for making this um, a great success and f- making it worth for the investors are high. Uh, we have um, uh, products that um, have been made in Uganda, which are customized for Africa. For example, one of the investment opportunities will be bringing on board is a little car called a little vehicle farm vehicle called a three-in-one trike it's just a game changer one small vehicle can pump water to irrigate quite a big farm uh, and uh, very very cost effective it can power a small uh, manufacturing facility at home so if you run a small small machines at home, a grinding mill. Uh, you can get your stuff from the farm and grind using the same vehicle and it can carry the produce from the market. And uh, all of it at a very cheap price, very affordable because this has been designed in Uganda and produced on the continent in Uganda. So these are rare investment opportunities. And I really hope that um, all, all who hear this, they will make up their mind to come to Uganda. You are going to enjoy, you are, as an investor, it is going to be worthwhile. We want it to be very practical, and we hope that those who come, they will find. Uh, last year, we, ha- we exhibited over 300 innovations. This year, we hope to exceed that. And these are innovations which have reached, uh, they are close to get to market and uh, discussions on investment can really begin. So I am hoping that uh, really this will offer great investment opportunities for our guests who come. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Minister. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have been listening to us, we've been speaking to the Honorable Minister for Science and Technology and Innovation of Uganda, Dr. Monica Mozenero. Um, Honorable Minister, so we are out of time, but I was wondering if you have two more minutes because one of the things we like to do on the Pitch Room Africa is to just have one or two of our listeners to come up on stage to ask a question or make a very short contribution before we close um, down the curtains. Do you have two more minutes for us? I do know how important your time is and I don't want to waste it at all. Too many. Do you have too many to spare? Uh, Sidi, you can take another 15 minutes if the listeners are okay. Amazing. Thank you very much. Yes, amazing. So, you've heard here. Um, so, again, if you're just listening to the podcast, you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, this is one of the reasons why it is important always for you to join us live right here on Twitter on x sorry right here on x um for a chance and opportunity to have a conversation and a one-on-one conversation and also get the opportunity to ask a question to some of africa's most brilliant minds that we get to bring here every friday so if you are on here now and you would like to ask a question or make a statement please raise your hands i'm happy to bring you up on stage but as we wait for you to do that, um, Madam Minister, um, question um, that I have. Let's talk. Let's tell me a little bit about. Um, so we we we've talked about them. We'll also um, explore a little bit about the academic um, side of things. So tell me a little bit about how academia can actually shift itself from just publishing books to something more tangible that will be not only beneficial to the field but also could be an actual commodity outside of just publication uh well I, this this is amazing but when uh, i started engaging our academia uh, they were not even aware that um, focusing on publications only uh, 
was kind of um, it shouldn't be that way. They thought that was great that the universities focus on uh, generating knowledge and publish scientific uh, papers and so the first thing is to create the awareness. Uh, we, when you assume that um, the universities or the academic uh, they know uh, they are aware of this, it's very it's a very wrong assumption. And uh, the first thing is to boldly face it and talk. Uh, I usually spend a day in a university. I I go and sit with them and explain to them what we want to do as a country and why they must change the way they think and how they uh, connect to the science, technology and innovation and how they link the knowledge they have to the development of the nation. And I've seen a fast turnaround, not in terms of adoption, but the passion now, uh, the, the, the willingness to participate, the willingness to change is there because many African scientists are actually surprised why they are not making the contribution. They continue to do it, but they, they desire to, to do. So first they need boldly somebody to tell them. Somebody has to tell them. Number two, you have through thinking to show them how to do it because these things are not written anywhere for us as Africans. We need to know that they are not written anywhere. So you, you have to create it and show them this is how we can change. And I've found that prototyping is very, very important. When you do a prototype of something, it helps people to see what you're talking about. And so we use prototyping in almost everything. By that, I mean, we make one thing succeed in doing what we are saying such that others can say, okay, this is what you're meaning. And now, so we, when we started, it, they had publish or perish. So the second step, I told them product or perish. And for most of whole year, that was the, the, the campaign. And as they started now to focus and work with students to make prototypes, now I've shifted, it is enterprise or perish. So, uh, and they're coming along. They don't change very fast, but they are coming along and the students are really, so we have this explosion of innovations all across the country. Actually, it has moved down to the secondary schools. About a month ago, there was um, an exhibition in one part of the country where just secondary school children, they were exhibiting the innovations and it was just mind boggling and overwhelming. So it can move pretty fast. If you plan, you think through what you want to do, put down a plan and implement it. Thank you very much for that. Um, we have Jeffrey. So um, Jeffrey, uh, you have one, well, you have 30 seconds on the clock. Um, can you unmute yourself, ask your question or make a statement? Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much, CD. Um, uh, Honorable, um, uh, as I've told you before, I'm a big fan of your work at the ministry. And uh, I've, having interacted with most of your team, I believe you're not running a... Uh, uh, I almost don't believe that you're running a government entity or a ministry. It's almost seems that you're like running something something totally different from what most government entities look like but my question is really after reorganizing what a government entity or a ministry that actually delivers results would look like how do you scale this across the entire leadership of the country uh, because one part of the government doing really well uh, and then the rest of it is not doing very well or is not as efficient as uh, your ministry doesn't really help the whole system. Um, how do you scale this um, uh, or perish? (laughs) (laughs) 
Sidi, uh, do you want me to respond to that first? Yes, yes, Madam Minister, please go ahead. Okay, I'll be real quick on this. Um, again, prototyping is our principle. Show people what should be done by doing it, and as they observe, they will start to imitate and do it. So we don't impose what we do on other sectors, but eventually they get attracted, and little by little, we will begin to have that impact. Voluntarily, people will see, because many people yearn to make a difference in Africa. It's just that we don't have the role model to see what it should be. Great. Um, that, that, is, that is a fantastic, a, a really, really great way to answer that. Um, yeah, so that's all the time we have. If you've joined us tonight, thank you. We are really grateful that you join us in this exciting conversation with the Minister for Science, Technology and Innovation in Uganda. Um, Dr. Honorable Dr. Monica Mozenero has taken her time out to have a conversation with us today right here on the Pitch Room Africa. Thank you so much, Doc, for coming. Uh, thank you so much, Sidi, for having me. It's been a great privilege to share some of what we are doing. And we are available. We are very, very open if there is any need for us to share anybody. And we are very, very happy to share what we are doing. We think Africa is our time. And science, technology, and innovation is the vehicle that is going to carry us to our destiny very very quickly thank you very much and have a great evening wherever you are thank you thank you very much doctor so thank you very much my sister this is how we come to an end of the peach room africa for today's episode um if you're listening to the podcast or you're just you, whether you're driving home or you're just laying in your bed or you're just catching up well whatever you do Remember, you can always reach out to our guest by just dropping us a comment on our comment section on either Spotify or the Apple podcast. But also, next week, we're here again um, at 8 p.m. GMT Plus One. If you don't want to miss it and you haven't signed up for our newsletter, why don't you click on the follow button for um, and follow me right here on X and you can also follow my co-host Esther Richards and you don't get to miss any further conversation like this. We often bring together only some of Africa's biggest players from policy to investments to entrepreneurship that is impacting the continent as we like it. Until next time, I've been your host Sidi Saka and I've been joined by my co-host Esther Richards. Goodbye, good night. Goodbye everyone and have a wonderful day.